Today, I want to talk about a question. Why do we pray this prayer, come Holy Spirit? I don't know if you've, if you've been coming for a while, you'll have probably noticed that pretty much every week towards the end of the service, somebody prays this prayer, come Holy Spirit, or words like it. And um, we will do that later, in fact, today. Um, and anybody who's here who wants to will have the opportunity to, to come down the front, um, or if you're watching online, just, just where you are, encounter God's presence and, um, and, and have the opportunity to have somebody pray with you, either here or online. And um, for many of us who are part of this church, we're familiar with, with this prayer, come Holy Spirit, and, and what it means. But you know, have you ever noticed that, that things are familiar can sometimes become like the wallpaper, you know, when you put the wallpaper, when you first put it up, you can't stop looking at it. But over time, it kind of fades into the background. Others of you, you might be less familiar with this prayer and what it means. And I remember, I remember when I was like that, I remember the first time um, I came to, to Trent Vineyard. Um, I'd, it, previously in that, previous to that, I'd been to church many times in my life but always to churches where things were a little bit subdued. And I was pretty sceptical about these churches that people described as charismatic. I didn't, I didn't even know what that word meant, but I, I had a suspicion it had something to do with like waving your hands in the air, shaking when you pray, and believing in things like healing and tongues. And so I remember coming to Trent Vineyard with my guard very much up. I'd been invited by a friend, and I remember I got introduced to this guy called Andy, um, who I was just chatting with before the service. I, mean, I think we had a donut, I can't remember. But I have to admit, he, I mean, he seemed normal. Like, he actually seemed pretty normal until the band started playing. And to me, what seemed like 30 seconds later, I remember turning around, and he's just, like, giving it all this, shaking away. And I was like, where did the normal guy go? What happened, what happened to him? What is this all about? And I recall people hearing, hearing, hearing people attribute this kind of stuff to the Holy Spirit, explaining that when we invite the Holy Spirit to come... Sometimes extraordinary things happen to people. People become emotional in different ways, or they um, have physical sensations and experiences. Um, and sometimes prayers get answered in ways that can't be explained logically or rationally. And as a, as a fairly sceptical person, that's kind of how I am, this left me with an awful lot of questions. I remember, you know, even that prayer, like, come Holy Spirit, from where? Like, where is he before that? Is it that he's got to work his way around all the churches on a Sunday? So we're like, oh, he's down Grace Church at the moment. Come Holy Spirit over here. I don't know. Or I didn't know. And in fact, this, these might be the kind of questions that you've got on your mind here today, in which case I hope this is helpful. I want to share three words that I would use, I was thinking about it, to begin to answer this question. What does this prayer, come Holy Spirit, mean? Three words. I'm going to talk about history, relationship, and transformational power. Four words, actually. Sorry. So, first, history. A bit of history. There's a context. Come Holy Spirit is actually an ancient prayer with a very rich heritage rooted in the Bible. So, for example, in John chapter 20, um, verse 22, after Jesus had been resurrected, he, he, and before the church really began, he came to the disciples and he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then, Shortly after that, um, a few weeks later, um, Acts chapter 2 records how the Holy Spirit came and filled the disciples on the day of Pentecost as they waited for him. 
And then, and, then, and then sort of beyond the Bible, throughout church history, um, in, the, in, the, in sort of like the 200s, um, a guy called Hippolytus or Hippolytus is attributed with writing a prayer for the early believers. And we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit. If you skip on to the 800s, a Benedictine monk wrote a worship song, Come Holy Spirit, Creator, Come. A few hundred years later, um, the prayer, Come Holy Spirit, was was written as a Latin worship poem called Vene Sancte Spiritus, which sort of took a, a real central place in the worship of the Western church. And then if you skip on a bit much more recently, um, on, on, on Mother's Day in 1980, somebody prayed this prayer, Come Holy Spirit, in a, in a church in, in California that John Wimber, who pioneered the vineyard movement, was pastoring. And immediately, people began to encounter gods in, in ways that they'd not experienced before. And this prayer found its place in the life of the vineyard movement of churches, which we are part of. And so there's the context to this. There's a history. These words have been prayed and said and sung um, since the earliest days of church history. The prayer has a heritage. So that might be the first thing that I would say. The second thing I'd say, come Holy Spirit, it's about relationship. And I think this is probably the main thing that I would say. Christianity is not just about knowing about God, but it's about knowing God, actually knowing him. At the, um, if you've got a Bible, you might want to turn it to John chapter 14. We're going to be in there for a little while. And um, this is a, a conversation during um, the Last Supper. And Jesus said, if you love me, so that's relational language already, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth. So do you see in this verse, there's the Father and there's Jesus talking and then there's this other person, this advocate, the Holy Spirit. And as the church um, formed and they went back and they listened and they studied what Jesus said and they wrestled with the scriptures, they came to realise and understand something that's absolutely critical and fundamental to the Christian faith. And that is that these three people who have been described here, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're all God. There is one God who is three persons. And this is what people refer to as the, the doctrine of the Trinity. And it's a complex and mysterious thing. How can three persons make one God? And this talk isn't actually about the Trinity. We'll save that for another week. Um, but today, the thing that I really want to emphasize and stress is that the Holy Spirit is a person. When we pray, come Holy Spirit, we're praying to a person and that person is God and that person is our friend. That's what I want to stress. It's about meeting him. It reminds me, I remember a friend of mine, Steve, he was on an alpha table that I helped lead about 15 years ago now and we had some great chats during the course. I remember him saying that he'd been invited several times um, by his friend and he eventually came on the condition that they would just stop asking him after that. And uh, he was a, he's a really gifted lawyer. And so he was asking all these logical probing questions all the way through the course, had us scratching our heads. And, um, but eventually we got through to the, um, the, the, the Alpha Weekend Away, where you cover the theme of the Holy Spirit. And we pray for anyone who wants to, to encounter the Holy Spirit during what we describe as a ministry time. And um, by this, I was chatting to Steve this week, and he said by this point, he'd kind of warmed to Christianity in a logical sense, kind of in a head sense, but he said he, not in a heart sense, that he had, he had too many doubts. He didn't feel it. 
But, um, but I remember watching as somebody prayed for him, everything changed. In his words, he said, I just got zapped. I completely got it in my heart. Before we, before we prayed, come Holy Spirit that day, he was not a believer. But a few moments later, he had met God. And he realized that his doubts weren't incompatible with having a relationship with knowing God. The thing that changed it all for him wasn't an argument, wasn't a persuasion. It was meeting a person. And his life was forever changed. It's about relationship. I remember this for me. I remember the first time that I felt God sort of speak to me in person. Um, it, was, it was a little while after my first trip here that I mentioned a few moments ago. And um, I got, by this point, I was kind of half in and half out of faith. I wasn't really sure. And I was also kind of half in and half out of this on-off relationship with somebody, which wasn't a very healthy relationship, and it certainly wasn't helping me in faith. And one morning, I was getting ready, and I just, these words just popped into my head. You've got to choose. It's either me or her. And I remember at the time, I didn't even know whether I believed that God could speak to a person in that way. It wasn't a sort of an audible voice. It was just like a phrase that popped into my head. But I decided to listen to it. And I decided to pray back, I'm going to choose you. And as I look back now, I recognise that that was a moment where I realised that the thing he wanted was me and the thing that I wanted was him. And that relationship has changed my life. Now, the word that Jesus used in this passage he describes the Holy Spirit as an advocate. It's, um, it's a translation of a Greek word in the original manuscript, parakletos. And this, that word crops up in various places in this section, particularly in John's Gospel, to describe the Holy Spirit. And it's a tricky word to translate in English. So different translations have used words like comforter, teacher, advocate, counsellor, helper, guide. And none of these words quite really does justice. They don't satisfactorily represent all the functions of the parakletos. And in fact, one or two Bible translations, if you read them, they just leave it in there basically untranslated. It just says paraclete. And I like to think they were just like, do you know what, sack it. Let's just leave it in there untranslated because, you know, nobody will know what it means, but at least they can't say we got it wrong. I think that's what they did. <laughs> but basically what it means is that the Holy Spirit is the most amazing friend to have. You know, think of the person who's like top of your, you know, your speed dial on your phone, in, you know, when, when the chips are down. You know, if you, if, if, you, if, you, if you unexpectedly get into some kind of like legal situation, you're like, ah, oh, you need somebody to defend you. You need a, a lawyer. You need somebody to speak for you. An advocate, that's what the parakletos is. Or you're lost in a danger, dangerous environment and you don't know where to go. You need a guide. That's who he is. You have a dilemma in your life and it's tearing you apart, you know, about finance or relationships or career or something. And you just want somebody to tell you what to do. You, you call the counsellor. Or when your soul is torn in grief and loss and, you know, perhaps you get the diagnosis that you dread or you try one last time for that dream and you fail or you lose the person you love and you just want somebody to just cover you while you, while you sob. You call the comforter. So this prayer, come Holy Spirit, is a means of, of all of that. It's a means of inviting our advocate, our counsellor, healer, guide and comforter into the room, but into our hearts. And the beauty is, of course, that we don't need a phone to do it. We don't need a phone or anything else to access him. Um, continuing on, in Jesus', Jesus words, 
in this conversation, he says, the Father's going to send the spirit of truth. He says, you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. He lives in you and will be in you. And remember, this is, this is something that he promised to be with us forever, just before that. So we're talking about unconditional relationship and permanent residence in our heart. I love what Sue, that what you said at the end of worship about how, it's, you know, it's, it's not about geography. Home is where his presence is. John Mumford, um, who um, is the global vineyard coordinator, is that right? Close enough. He said, the prayer, come Holy Spirit, doesn't imply that the Spirit of God isn't already present. It's not down the road somewhere. Rather, it's a deep petition from our hearts to experience more of God's presence. We want him to reveal himself to us. We want him to come and speak to us. So it's about relationship, this prayer. Finally, this prayer is about transformational power. In the Bible, Whenever the, wherever the Holy Spirit is, there is always power. Have you ever noticed that? So like in Genesis, at the dawn of creation, um, we're told that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters and then his power is at work, bringing the universe, bringing the world into life. And then if you kind of skip on to Exodus, to the story of Moses and the Israelites, and we read about how they were set free from slavery and they were led through the wilderness, you know, through all these miraculous works of mighty power, like the the plagues and the Red Sea parting and the fire and cloud and all of that, power. Or if you skip on to the book of... um, Judges, um, have you ever read the, you know, the story of Samson? Have you ever read the story of Samson? Samson is basically like, this is a bit of an 80s reference, but He-Man. Like when the Holy Spirit falls on him, he's like, I have the power of grace, girl. And he just, it says, um, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on him. This was one day when the Philistines had captured him. He was all tied up in ropes and he tears off the ropes like they're just bits of string. And he grabs a donkey's jawbone obviously, and just starts striking all the soldiers down. I have the power of a donkey's skull, and he just goes for it. So there's always power when the Holy Spirit falls. And of course, much later, Jesus promises to his disciples and to us that this same power is available to us, and we will receive it when the Holy Spirit comes. And of course, that's what happened at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came and Jesus' followers were empowered. They saw healings and miracles and the de- demons being delivered. And all of that is available today. Just um, a couple of weeks ago, a lady, Hermione, was praying here with Susie and she had a problem in her, she came up for some problem in her shoulder. And as they prayed, both at the same time, she felt something move in her shoulder and Susie felt it with her hand. And they were both like, did you feel that? They both felt at the same time the power as she experienced healings. And uh, apparently she's been out playing tennis since that as she experienced healing. And when we pray, um, we'll do this in a moment, down the front or wherever you are or at home, some of you will notice that power because you might, you might physically experience it. You might, you might shake a little bit or your eyelids might flutter or you might simply feel God's power through this kind of supernatural sense of peace and calm. There's no specific formula to it. And actually, you can't always see or feel evidence of God's power at work in the moment. Um, but over time, you see it in the transformation that happens in our lives. I remember somebody describing ministry time as um, shaky God time. That's how they described it. And I like that language, but it's not just about shaky God time. It's about so much more. It's not just a bit of theatre that we do at the end of church. We must never take God's power 
and try and turn it into some kind of sideshow. It's the opposite of that. When we pray, come Holy Spirit, we are actually yielding to God. And we're saying to him, come and do what you want to do. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's your power for your purpose. Your power, your purpose. And so the Holy Spirit, yes, he is our comforter, our healer, our counsellor, all of that stuff. But he's not like a genie that simply exists to serve our needs. He comforts us so then we, we can go and comfort others. And he, and he sets us free so that we can go and do the same for others. I remember um, Nikki, um, back in Trent Youth years ago, you went up to this little girl who was 12 years old or something like that. And she, she said, um, this might sound a bit strange, but are your hands really hot at the moment? And this little girl was like, yeah, how did you know? And she said, oh, I got a sense that, that God wants to give you the gift of healing and that's why your hands are hot. Would you like me to pray that you could receive that gift? And this girl was like, yeah. You see, the power has a transformational purpose, God's kingdom. And sometimes we see this power in dramatic ways, dramatic power, dramatic transformation, um, like what happened to my friend Steve that I mentioned earlier. Or another example, um, Trudy, a lady who came here a few years ago. She first came here not because she wanted to come herself, but in a professional capacity as a carer for another lady. Um, but during that visit, somebody offered to pray for her and she encountered God's presence in that moment. And, you know, three years on, her relationship with God has developed and she wants to get baptised now. Or Amy was telling me, it was leading worship, it was a girl um, who, who she encountered uh, somewhere else, an event somewhere, and um, she had an eating disorder. Her, her, some people from her church gathered around her and prayed for her. She began to eat normally that day. So sometimes dramatic power, dramatic transformation, but equally it's about day-by-day day power and day-by-day day transformation. Centuries before Jesus um, um, made um, this, this sort of promise to, to fill our hearts, um, the Lord made this promise to God's people through the prophet Ezekiel. Um, in chapter 36 um, of Ezekiel, verse, verse 26, I will give you a new heart one day, he says, and put a new spirit in you. It continues, I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And so when Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, he lives in you and will be in you, it was the fulfilment of this promise that had been made centuries before. So when we become a Christian and the Holy Spirit moves into our heart, a transformation begins. We start to live God's way. Like it says in Ezekiel, we start to follow his decrees and be careful to keep his laws. But it's not because it's the good thing to do. It's because he's given us a new heart that wants different things. And sometimes that transformation, you know, it starts on the inside. Sometimes it takes a little bit a while in practice to work its way out into our actions. I mean, it would be great, wouldn't it, if it happened immediately? You know, if, um, if you could read, for example, the Sermon on the Mount. Wouldn't it be great if you could read the Sermon on the Mount? You know, it says, you know, love your enemies, turn the other cheek, don't judge, don't worry, and go, got it, sorted, and just do, live that way from that point on. Never worry, never judge, never get angry. Maybe that's how it was for you. But for us mortals, and personally, I need reminding of these things. Do you, need, do you, do you find you need reminding ever? Thankfully, Jesus said, um, he says it here in chapter 14, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and remind you of everything that I've said to you. 
He's so kind in that way. Because God knows the only way for transformation, real transformation to happen, is if he literally moves into our hearts and into our minds. Just a weekly, you know, visit is not going to cut the mustard. We have to live with him. We have to invite him into our hearts and be filled with him over and over again. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, be filled with the Spirit. And again, there's something a little bit lost in the translation here because in the original language, this is implying an ongoing daily filling and refilling. And that, that kind of explains why, we, you know, if you read the book of Acts, you see the same apostles, it says that they get filled with the Holy Spirit on numerous occasions. It's an ongoing thing. I love, there's an illustration that Nicky Gumbel, who leads the Alpha um, course, he, he uses often one of these, um, I've got one here, you know, these old-fashioned sponges, um, like a proper natural one. And um, if you leave them for a long time, like this one, it just becomes all dry and almost brittle. And, and when it's like that, if you just dip it in the water really quickly, um, you'll notice it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't soften. It takes time. It needs to be put in the water for a while. And that's why day in, day out, we need to pray this prayer, come Holy Spirit, so that we stay refreshed, we stay moist, we stay soft. And we all need this because we all have times where we get you know, brittle, where we get dry, we need a soak. Um, I've noticed that even in the last couple of weeks, um, it's been a little bit like that for me. A fortnight ago, I found myself down here at the front being prayed for by Dan. And then just this week, a few of us were visiting another church and uh, there was a time of worship. And during that time, I just began to feel emotional. And um, I don't know exactly why, but, but it was kind of as though all the worries and the discomfort and, and the stress that had been accumulating for a while just built up in me. And, and I just began to encounter God's presence. And somebody noticed, and they just came alongside me and prayed for me. And they barely used any words at all. They just stayed with me, invited the Holy Spirit to minister to me, and I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And afterwards, I realized that I had been feeling a little bit dry. And I needed reminded that the thing he wanted was me, and the thing I wanted was him. I'm a few years into this now, but it's still the same. And I say that just, just to make sure that, you know, there's no illusions. That If any of you think that those of us who come up here and speak and do things like this on the stage are any different, we're not. We're all the same in this regard. We all have times where we feel a bit dry and we need to encounter his presence afresh. And that's good because Jesus said, all who are thirsty, come. All who are thirsty, come. And that's why each week what we do is we say, come Holy Spirit, and we try and make a safe space where anyone who's dry, anyone who feels like this, anyone who's sensing God's nudge, anyone who's needing or longing for an encounter of God's breakthrough and power, anyone in that place can come and we'll call on our most wonderful friend and ask him to change the things in a way that only he can.